0: Jai Rādhā, Mādhava, Kunjābihādī Jai Rādhā, kanja hari. hari gopi janababa kele pare hari gopi janaba laaba yer buda braja Janaranjana. Yamuna-tiravana-cārī, Yamuna-tiravana-cārī, Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jai Gopi Janabalaba Get it dhari garv ko Yeshoda Nandana, Braja Janarajana. Yeshoda Nandana, Braja Yamun chiera banachari Yamun banachari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabi Jai Radha kunja Chunjabi hari, jai umesh babu mazhabadad jagatayastu darsat darsi simar, ac book debate ante sami marad shila propad ki jayam is the problem of the logic. It's hard. Stood Bhakti Siddhanta Sasitako Prabhupada. Go pray, Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Shrimad Bhagwatam, six canto, chapter eighteen. Diti vows to kill King Indra. Text twenty six. Asasa tasiedam. Druvam un nadha Druvam un sah. Shaka indrasya. Bhuyad indrasya. Bhuyaar yena sutohime. Suto Druvam un nadha Marśo śaka indrasya Marśo śaka indrasya Buya yeina Sutohime hima Duyad yeina Dṛuvam annadate saha Dṛuvam saha Marśo śaka indrasya <coughs> buya ji na he Vaishnavese Asa sanasya, Asa sanasya, thinking, thinking tasya, tasya, of him, of him idam, idam this, this body, dhruvam, dhruvam eternal, eternal unnada chaitasa, whose mind is unrestrained, unrestrained madheshaka. Who can remove the madness, Indrasya Indrasya of Indra, Indra. Buyat may there be, be. Yena Yena. by which which. Suta Suta. a son, he He. certainly may May. Of of me. Diti thought. Indra considers his body eternal and thus he has become unrestrained. I therefore wish to have a son who can remove Indra's madness. Let me adopt some means to help me in this. Purport, one who is in the bodily conception of life is compared in the sastras to animals like cows and asses. Diti wanted to punish Indra, who had become like a lower animal. Translation again. Diti thought, Indra considers his body eternal and thus he has become unrestrained. I therefore wish to have a son who can remove Indra's madness. Let me adopt some means to help me in this. Om Agana Trimalandasya, Gananjana Shalakaya, Chakshroon Militangyena, Tazmai Sri Guruve Namaha. Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara, Sivasadi Gaur Bhakta Vrinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So we're in the midst of hearing Shukadeva Goswami answering Pritchett Maharaj's question. His question was coming from amidst the sages gathered and they wanted to know. They were in fact very eager to know how did the Maruts, 49 of them, assume the role, the position of devatas, demigods, after having been born in Diti's womb. Diti, as you know, is the wife of Kashyapamuni, famous for giving birth to demons. Just like Aditi is famous for giving birth to the devatas, the adichas. So you have the daichas and the adichas. So the sages gathered around Maharaj Parichit were eager to understand. From deep come demigods? How is that possible? You're in the midst of a grudge match here a revenge fight, and Diti is accusing Indra of the very thing she's guilty of. She is angry, having lost two sons, here in Yaksha and here in Yakashipu. Now notice, she doesn't blame directly Vishnu, that much she has going for her. Usually the tendency even of... Struggling devotees is that when there's some reversal, they immediately want to blame the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We can see that in the case of the wife of Chitra Ketu. Upon the sudden death of her infant, amidst her ocean of lamentation, she's blaming the Supreme Controller. We may talk more about that later. But Diti at least has some tiny bit of sense control in that she's not fingering Vishnu as the culprit. She's, what she's implying is that it was all on Indra. He was manipulating from behind the scenes. Even though Vishnu appeared to be the one who was the terminator, actually it was Indra. And therefore her wrath is focused on Indra. So she, as verse 23 says, she's overwhelmed with lamentation and anger. This is something for us to think about because there'll be situations in life in which we seem to be drowning in an ocean of lamentation and anger. Even we want revenge. And we're sure that there's a particular person who's responsible for our suffering. That's Diti. And she's casting or presenting Indra in such a way that actually applies to her. But she's presenting herself as innocent and faultless and Indra he's the one, even though Vishnu was the terminator, it's actually Indra behind the scenes, trying to preserve his position. So she says, Lord Indra, who is very much fond of sense gratification, as if she's not. <laughs> he's killed the two brothers, her two sons, Haranyaksha and Haranyakashipu, by means of Lord Vishnu. Therefore, Indra is cruel, hard-hearted, and sinful. And then, shaye succumb, I will rest peacefully when he's killed. (laughs) This is material desire at its worst. The delusion that by fulfilling a material desire whether rajasik, mode of passion, or tamasic, mode of ignorance, by fulfilling that desire, I can rest with a peaceful mind. I can happily sleep once my desire is fulfilled. (laughs) This is material existence in the essence. Material existence means that I have material desires, and that means I expect them to be fulfilled, if my material desires are not fulfilled, I become frustrated and angry. And I just know for a fact that when my desire is fulfilled, whether rajasic or tamasic, then I can rest peacefully. Where does this delusion come from? Due to the spirit soul being covered, not touched, but covered by the modes of material nature, these crazy ideas are manufactured in the mind. That's why in the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about becoming free from the mental concoction of material gratification. It's something cooked up in the mind. Sometimes you can just catch your mind doing this. Actually, you should all the time catch it. (laughs) But sometimes you get clear glimpses of how the mind is like a factory, just manufacturing these crazy ideas about how you will be satisfied through rajasic and tamasic endeavor. So as Krishna says, this is a mental concoction, manodharma. (laughs) These precepts, these concepts are manufactured by the mind. And this is why at the end of Bhagavad Gita, this is one of the reasons why, Krishna says sarva dharman purajaja mam ekam saranam vaja. Shut down that factory, that manodharma factory, which is always churning out plans on an assembly line, plans for material fulfillment and satisfaction. Shut down that factory, Krishna says, and take my plan. Remember when Kamsa was dispatching Okura to Brindavan to bring back Krishna and Balaram for the wrestling match, which was actually meant for terminating Krishna and Balaram. Remember, Kamsa, reaching out to Akura, "My dear Akura, I have no better friend than you in the whole Yadu dynasty. <laughs> Kamsa knows how to butter up the person to manipulate the person to, so the person does his bidding. I've come to you for charity. Please. Listen, here's my plan. You go to Vrindavan, and you bring back Krishna Balaram. Look at this chariot that I'm lending you, a brand new Mercedes chariot. (laughs) (laughs) And as I've explained often, Kamsa was thinking, these Vaishnavas are sentimental. They're so easily manipulated. When Akura sees this flash Mercedes chariot, surely he'll be eager to ride on it, and he'll do my bidding. This is what Kamsa thinks of baktas. <laughs> They're not materially sophisticated. They're not shrewd. They're just simple devotees. So then he explains, after showing the chariot to Akura, he explains his plan. Once Krishna and Balaram are wiped out, then I imprison the Yadu dynasty. Even my own father, I kill some of them. There's no problem. There'll be no resistance that can overcome me, because I have such powerful allies like Jarasandha, so many others. They'll all come to my aid. So then, once I have wiped out all my enemies. It will be very pleasant to rule the world without any obstruction, without any interference. This is how the demoniac thinks since time immemorial, whether in remote antiquity or even today. It will be so wonderful to rule the world once all my enemies are dead and no one stands in my way. So, D.T. is saying the same thing. I will rest happily with sukha, with happiness, when that cruel, hard-hearted, and sinful, sinful Indra is dead. The fact is... She, the Acharyas explain she's just as cruel, hard-hearted, and sinful as she's accusing Indra of being. This reminds me of a advice, spiritual advice, given by Srila Loktisiddan to Saraswati Thakur about fault finding. He said the only reason why I can see a fault in you is because I have it a thousand times more in me and therefore I am the world's expert in the fault because I have so much of it. I can see a speck of it in you because I have, I'm drowning in it. <laughs> so here is a, here's Diti accusing Indra of being cruel and violent and what's she hoping for? She wants to have. A son. In this verse, today's verse, she says it politely. Instead of, I want a son who can kill him. She says, I want a son who can remove his madness. (laughs) That's a polite way of saying, I want him rubbed out. (laughs) Everyone in Bhagavatam, even when they are speaking demoniacally, they have such finesse, such culture. (laughs) I was speaking yesterday on a podcast about how I was remembering after Maharaj Anga disappeared from home because he was so uh, devastated by having such a cruel son, Vena, he disappeared in the middle of the night. And the next morning, the citizens tried to find him. They loved him so much. He was a sadhu, the Bhagavatam says. He was a lover of Brahminical culture. But the situation at home drove him deep into lamentation and shame at cruel Vena, who would slaughter his own playmates mercilessly. So after the king disappeared, the citizens the next morning were looking everywhere for him. And I like how the Bhagavatam says, they searched for him just as inexperienced mystics try to find out the super soul in the heart. (laughs) In other words, they couldn't find him. But that's how beautiful the Bhagavatam is. Instead of saying they failed to find him, although they were searching everywhere, no, they, they searched for him like inexperienced mystics who couldn't find the super soul in the heart. And that's especially appropriate because the Acharyas explained that actually Unga was hiding in his own city. But the citizens were racing all over the world looking for him when at least prelim- preliminarily Unga was in the same city but they, no one knew where. Just like the super soul is in the heart as our supreme friend, but we don't know that, we're not aware of that. So, in the same way, Diti is saying, I want a son who can remove Indra's madness. Unnadha Chaitasaha. His mind is unrestrained, Indra's mind. Therefore, Madhashoshaka, who can remove the madness, Madhashoshaka Indrasya, who can remove the madness of Indra? Let me have a son who can do that. She's making points that are true, but she doesn't apply the points to herself. This is the nature of the materialistic mind. She says, and this is repeated often in Bhagavatam, well, several times, Krimi Vid worms, stool, and ashes. Narada Muni tells something like this to Man- griva and Nalakuvra. M- maintaining a body, committing sinful activities when the destination of the body is simply krimi vid basma, worm, stool, and ashes. And so Diti is correctly saying what is true, Tatva, but she's using it for her to justify her own materialistic purposes. When dead, the bodies of all the rulers known as kings and great leaders, will be transformed into worms, stool, or ashes. How is that? Worms, if the body just drops in the forest after a few days, the worms, the maggots appear in the body. Stool, if the body drops somewhere in the forest, dogs can come and eat it and turn the body into stool. And basma, if the suns burn the body, Then the body just becomes ashes at the crematorium. So she's speaking correctly. Why kill others just to protect such a body? But here she is warning that someone's killed. (laughs) This is how bewildering material desires are. You can't see straight. Lust blinds us. Anger blinds us. So she's accusing Indra of not knowing the actual true interest of life. She says, Indra doesn't understand that if someone's envious of other entities, he surely goes to hell. But she's super envious. (laughs) But again, at least she doesn't blame Vishnu. She says it's Indra behind the scenes manipulating. So there are three things that we need to keep our eye on in this chapter. Number one, the birth of the Maruts from the womb of Diti. The Maruts, the 49 Maruts achieved the position of Devitas. Number two, Diti is showing the same qualities that she accuses Indra of having. She's showing hard-heartedness, cruelty. She wants revenge. And number three, Kasyapa, poor Kasyapa. <laughs> He's going to become manipulated by DT again, just as he was in the third canto. He's going to become the victim of her action program. She's very proactive. (laughs) And you'll hear about that in the coming verses. She says in today's verse, let me adopt some means, some method to help me have a son who can remove Indra's madness. Let me adopt some artificial behavior so that my husband will give me a son, especially with the purpose of the son being able to kill Indra. Let me adopt a modus operandi to achieve such a goal. So poor Kasyapa, how can he hold up? How can he stand up to this? (laughs) What can he do? Feel compassion for him. He's outgunned (laughs) by his wife's conniving behavior. Now, you might say, well, not conniving. It's natural that someone killed her sons, so it's natural that she wants to do something about it. She wants revenge. That's just the way it is, you know, that's just the emotional reality. She's not just having low self-esteem and drowning in useless lamentation, lethargy. She wants to strike back. So yeah, understand that. Understand her needs. And she's what can she do as Diti? She can't raise an army, right? But she does have some weapons, (laughs) so you would say she's just relying on what she has. And you'll hear about that in the next verse, which we'll read, for your education, thinking in this way, with a desire for a son to kill Indra. Diti began constantly acting to satisfy Kashyapa by her pleasing behavior. O King, this is Shukadeva Goswami explaining to Preacher Maharaj, Diti always carried out Kashyapa's orders very faithfully as he desired. With service, love, humility and control, with words spoken very sweetly to satisfy her husband, and with smiles and glances at him, Diti attracted his mind and brought it under her control." So what man could object to this? This is just exactly what the male ego wants. Oh, yes. My desire, yes, she has taken my desire as her own. She's always carrying out my orders, very faithfully, just as I want. (laughs) With service, yes, love, yes, humility, yes, and control, yes, she'll do everything I want. With words spoken very sweetly, oh, how men love to hear those sweet words. (laughs) Words spoken very sweetly to satisfy her husband. Not only that though, not only the sweet words, but the smiles and the glances. (laughs) Attracting his mind, (laughs) and in that way, bringing his mind under her control. So this, as we hear in text twenty nine, is artificial behavior. Because why artificial, you say? Sounds nice. It's what he wants (laughs) It's what it's what Kashapa wants. (laughs) But there is a motive behind it all. (laughs) And Kashapa, you'll hear later in this chapter, is shocked when she throws her cards on the table. He says, yes, my dear, you can have whatever you want. You please me so much. And then she throws her cards down. Give me a son who can kill Indra. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, Kashyapa realizes he's been had <laughs> and it's too late to do anything about it. He already gave his word, I will fulfill all your desires. You are so wonderful. You are glorious. You make me feel like a natural man. (laughs) Isn't that what so many songs are about? You make me feel like a natural man. You make me feel like a natural woman. (laughs) But now, Kashapa will realize later in the chapter. He's been duped. So he has to come up with a program that seems to give Diti what she wants, but at the same time, the program will purify her. So he tricks her. So you see the Bhagavatam is full of all kinds of information, analyses. You should get into, when you read, you should get into the thought processes of these great personalities. And Diti is a great personality. She just, and she does get purified. Kashyapa strikes back. He's been victimized and he thinks hard. And actually, as a sadhu, he comes up with a methodology for seemingly giving his wife what she wants, but actually, he's arranging for her purification. So the third significant point, number one, how can demigods come out of the womb of Diti? Number two, she's so envious, revenge, she wants to get back at Indra, yet she accuses him of the very things that are polluting her heart. But she becomes eventually purified. That gives us hope. If Diti can become purified with all these motivations, surely by the expert methodology given us by the Acharyas, given us especially by Srila Prabhupada, we can become purified. Kashyapa will arrange that Diti engages in devotional service. So, similarly, we have our ample opportunity for devotional service. We're always trying to think of something we can do for Krishna. And then finally, point number three Kashapa Muni was a learned scholar. He was advanced in spiritual consciousness, but he fell victim to Diti's. Beautiful program. So these are things to think about. But again, remember, DT did not accuse Vishnu, at least at this point. Whereas in the case of Chitraketu and his wife, you remember, er, later in the sixth canto, or earlier, earlier in the sixth canto, The envious co-wives of Chichiketu poisoned the child, you all know that. Because they weren't getting the attention that the co-wife who had the child, she got all the attention. So they were envious. So they killed the infant. And oh, such a ocean of lamentation. Verse after verse, the Bhagavatam describes the grief of Chitraketu and his wife, and that affected the the ministers, everyone was crying unconscious with grief. So the ministers in the palace were affected, and then the whole kingdom, all the citizens were affected, everyone is practically knocked out with grief and lamentation. The Bhagavatam describes Shichiketu, his mouth is open. He's lamenting with his mouth open, oh, 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 you can't imagine. He and his wife have collapsed unconscious at the feet of the dead son, the dead infant. What a scene. And in her lamentation, the queen starts to blame supreme controller, Parameshwar, What is this? You are obviously incompetent. You have no expertise. How is it that during the lifetime of the parent, the child dies? That's not the way things are supposed to work. The child lives to see the death of the parents. That's the normal way the universe should work. So how have you let this happen? You obviously don't know what you're doing. So then the acharis explained that if the Supreme Lord would answer, he would say, this is nothing to do with me personally, this is just the law of karma. The jiva gets the results of the karmic activities, why are you blaming me? And so the queen would respond, well, if you say it's all just the law of karma, then what do we need with you? (laughs) Karma is the ultimate. (laughs) But then the Supreme Lord can respond, the law of karma is inanimate. Laws are not causal. So many scientists today mistakenly assume that the." laws of nature that they are aware of have causal ability. They don't understand. Behind the laws is always a hierarchy of consciousness from the devatas on up to the supreme consciousness. So the Supreme Lord can answer, you can't say everything is just karma and there's no need of the Ishwar because the laws of karma require conscious supervision to at least set them into motion. So in this way, the Queen, in her devastation, is directly accusing the Supreme Personality of Godhead. She finally concludes by saying, who will bother to have children? You say, she's telling the Supreme Personality of God, you say that it's, you're required. It can't just be, the situation can't just be the laws of karma because the laws of karma are inanimate. There has to be a supreme initiator. So if that's the way it's going to be, Whether, in other words, whether it's you, the the controller, Parameshwar, or the laws of karma or some combination, who will bother to have affection for children, knowing that at any moment the child can be terminated? What's the use in having affection then? People will raise children neglectfully, or they won't have children at all, because this is what could happen. In other words, she's voicing her complaint to the Parameshwara, is this how you want the world to work? Mm. So at least Diti is not saying like that. She's blaming Indra. Still her Bhakti, Diti's Bhakti, will be known as tamasik, because she's, she'll take the Bhakti process that her husband gives her. To achieve her goals of violence. But, as you'll find out, she becomes purified because she is executing devotional service, although, starting out, she's starting out with such wretched motivations, not pure motivations. So, again, she's speaking properly in some places. When dead, the bodies of all the rulers, known as kings and great leaders, will be transformed into krimi vidbasma, worms, stool, or ashes. What's the use in being a big leader today when tomorrow your fate is that your body just becomes like that? This is a very good message to the world's leaders today who just for some temporary glory and fame and gratification, they're putting the world in such distress. Just because of their own false prestige and their mistaken objectives. My country, my nation will be number one. (laughs) Make my nation great again. And what is Diti saying? Well, look. Your greatness is simply that, as a leader, you'll be transformed into worm, stool, and ashes. That's your greatness. And it'll happen again and again due to birth after birth after birth. So basically such leaders are saying, make me into worms, stool, or ashes again. <laughs> or as Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, mudha janmani janmani birth after birth you'll be a fool. Not just one lifetime but birth after birth. So Diti has some good points but she's not applying those points to herself. So as we heard today she's thinking and the Bhagavatam is giving you insight into her thinking process. Indra considers his body eternal and thus he has become unrestrained I therefore wish to have a son who can remove Indra's madness. Let me adopt some means to help me in this. All right. Any questions? Yes. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Maharaj, you mentioned about uh, Diti's mentality where she's saying, I wish to have a son. Who can remove Indra's madness, and then you related that point to Anga's uh, uh, when when uh, Bhav- says that you no, know, the citizens they were looking for Anga, just like Super Soul. So in these two uh, statements, what what is there to learn as a devotees, are dealings with another devotees that should we use our words like very um, I won't say diplomatically but like very thoughtfully, or can we be straightforward? You can be straightforward sweetly. <laughs> As Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita, anudvega karam vakyam satyam priyahitam chiyat swajaya bhrasadam chaiva vanmayam tapa Austerity of speech. You don't say words that will agitate someone. You speak in such a way that you make your point, but you're not trying to have revenge. I'll get back at you to listen to this. (laughs) You think twice, thrice, four times, five times before you say something. And then you have to consider, is it your responsibility to correct someone? I've given the example before from the life of Srila Bhakti Siddhant to One of his disciples was going out of his way to correct others. And so Srila Bhakti Siddhant to pulled him aside and said, is this your service? This is not your service to correct others. It's my service and it, I can tell you it's such an austerity, why would you want to take on yourself such an austerity unnecessarily <laughs> so don't we're not so eager to just lash out with our tongue you should have done this you didn't do that if we can control the tongue we can save ourselves from so many unnecessary situations of revenge, anger, then lamentation. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) As the saying in English goes, loose lips sink ships. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes you just want to say something, right? (laughs) And And then, according to material psychology, you'll feel better if you just say it. You'll get it off your chest. Mm. I just gotta say this, you know? You're full of yourself. (laughs) So the Kali Yuga culture tells you, when you feel something, you act on it, whether it's lust or anger, and then you get it off your chest, and then there's peace. Just like DT is thinking. What are those words? I will rest peacefully, I'll sleep so cozily once Indra's dead. So when I, when I just say these words, they may seem a little spiteful and severe, that's all right, I'll feel better by saying like that. We have to control our senses. So, behind our impulsiveness is the Kali Yuga notion that by just do it, anger, lust, and then peace. That's what's behind it. You get it off your chest. That is mundane psychology. Anything else? Yes. I have a question we we saw here in the example of Diti, and we see in the practical example in this world that uh, materialis- materialists or material consciousness, pe- people with material consciousness, they're very determined uh, and they're very strategic in in achieving their goals. But when it comes to us practicing Krishna consciousness, sometimes we might not be so determined or so strategic. So. What do we lack or how can we get the same determination in achieving our goals? By associating with determined devotees. Maybe there was never a time in your life when you were materially determined to get something? Like, come from India to Australia, you were determined? You overcame all obstacles, right? To achieve the lucky country (laughs) that's about to go into recession. (laughs) (laughs) So just think about what you underwent for this material goal. Of course, your coming to Australia turned out to be a spiritual goal by Lord Chaitanya's mercy. But remember, all that you endured, all that you went through, right? Now you have to do at least that much for Krishna. Better you do more. Better you do more. But everyone can think, there must be some time in your life. There are some who never had to push hard and determined over a substantial period of time for anything but most persons can remember some material goal that they wanted i remember one of our temple presidents illustrious temple presidents in australia he was a brahmachari long ago and There was one lady devotee in the temple who saw that, rightfully, that he's such a wonderful devotee and she wanted that he marry her. But the brahmachari was, no way, no, never, never. And even one day he was walking past a room in the temple. And there were some late, true story, there were some ladies in the room with this lady who was so determined. And they were telling her, just be patient. Don't give up. Just bide your time. Just wait for the moment. Be be determined. She waited nine years. (laughs) And then. She achieved her desire, nine years. She even went to another temple. So that's determination. (laughs) Nine years with no sign of hope. (laughs) I remember because after nine years the Brahmachari told me, Okay, I'm changing. Hmm. So he asked me, please call her up and tell her. <laughs> so what you want me to do that for? <laughs> That's it for nine years you've ignored her. He said, "Yes, yeah, true, but now I'm ready." So I I called her up. She was she had gone to another temple just to try to try to forget him, which she couldn't. And I called her up and said, uh, guess what?" <laughs> so she was she couldn't believe it, but she wanted to believe it. Really? Unbelievable, but I want it, I want to believe it. (laughs) Anyway, they have been married for over 20 years. (laughs) So that's determination. What you ladies think, nine years with no sign of hope, no sign of acknowledgement, what do you think? (laughs) So we all can find cases in our life episodes in our life, when we showed amazing determination to get the PR, to pass the English test. <laughs> I know, devotees, right, Gopar Vindesh Prabhu, they've taken the English test nine, ten times? More! more! <laughs> What's the maximum number with the, world, the world's record? What is it? Forty-five. Sixty-plus. Huh? Sixty-plus. Sixty? Oh my goodness, I thought it was maybe ten or sixty times. That's determination. (laughs) (laughs) Or someone starting at the bottom of the corporation and rising to the top. We all have examples of such determination. Certainly we can do at least that much for Krishna. So Diti is teaching you determination. Let me adopt some means to help me in getting what I want. Anything else? Yes? Um, In the context of uh, Diti saying a few things but not really applying that thought to herself, the point you were making, that sort of resonated with me uh, when we are trying to do outreach, it can happen that we are saying a few things that you should be doing this, you should be doing that or something and then when you reflect on it like, oh, you know, I myself, I'm not doing that. So, so my question is, um, is there hope in, the, in those circumstances that we keep doing that outreach and we keep saying those things knowing very well that we are not practicing and then slowly will we get there? Is there hope? While saying those things, you tell yourself, I'm gonna do this even better. That's one of the benefits of doing outreach is that, just like when you're distributing books, it happens to me all the time. I'll show someone something in the book, you see this, and then the book says this and that, and then while I'm saying that, I'm, I'm telling myself, hey, this sounds pretty good. <laughs> wow. I I need to read this section of Bhagavatam more. (laughs) And you can always chant Hare Krishna better and better. So you're telling someone, chant Hare Krishna. And then you're saying to yourself, what about my chanting? How can I improve my chanting? Or here's another one, chanting Hare Krishna solves all problems. And then you look at yourself, hmm. (laughs) So outreach forces you to confront yourself. So if you have that kind of mentality of desiring transformation, then what you're saying is very productive. But if you're purposely saying one thing and doing another, that's hypocrisy. Yes, I know. Thank you for the very nice class. I said it for you. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you for the wonderful class. <laughs> Um, you were talking about uh, if we have material desires, we keep on getting entangled in them. But then my question is, when we, ha- when we have a spiritual desire, we can sometimes see the result can be opposite sometimes. And then I know that our spiritual desires can be fulfilled with patience. Can so, you give me an example? Like I wanted to go to the um, holy places, but then it, keep, it kept on getting delayed because like lockdown and then coronavirus. So how much patience can we hold? I'm sure your parents will be very happy with you that you have a desire to go to the Dom. So keep that intense desire and surely it'll be fulfilled. And then one day when you're much older, you'll be able to go on your own. (laughs) That's what you're waiting for, right? So your parents have instilled in you, they produced in you such a desire to go to the Dom. So obviously they're very good parents and so you have that strong desire and wait, it, just having that desire is purifying. So you thank your parents for Bringing you up with such a desire. And then, how old are you? Eleven. Eleven. Maybe ten years from now, you'll be able to go on your own. So it's good now, and it'll be good in the future. Okay? Thank you, Mother. (laughs) Yes. You're back. When did you come back? Two weeks, somehow or we survived without you. <laughs> Hare Krishna. We see this um, Diti have a program and then to to then we see Kashyapa Muni had a program for her. Similarly sometimes the mind comes up with a program and then we give in and then we give the mind the Krishna consciousness. It looks like perpetually this going back and forth, back and forth. Can we have a solid program for the mind so that it can just be in Krishna consciousness? It takes work every day. Just like people go to jobs, similarly devotees, every day they work on their mind. There's a saying in English that the price of liberty is vigilance. The price of freedom is vigilance. You always have to be on guard. This is there in the fifth canto where the workings of the mind are presented. And you're told, we're told that we always have to be on guard, we can't trust it. There's one interesting section that the Acharya's comment on amidst those verses about how you can never trust the mind, just like someone captures some animals but knows any moment they can run away, they can escape. Similarly, you have to treat your mind in that way. So in one purport commentary, it is explained that the mind can fool you by temporarily, the mind has various looks, it has various appearances, so it can give you the appearance of peace and tranquility Everything is fine now. I'm over my material thoughts. I'm over my material mentality. Ah, it's easy street, ah, yes. And then suddenly the mind shifts, and oh yeah, look at this. (laughs) So you have to expect that. It's still the same mind, but it's temporarily lulling you off guard. So you have to be, very conscientious, Krishna conscious. You're not the mind, and due to lifetimes of conditioning, the mind goes this way and that way. So every day you have to be on top of it. And of course, by chanting Hare Krishna with attention, you can get on top of your mind. By always thinking, plans, how to spread Lord Chaitanya's mission, you can get on top of the mind. But don't be shocked at all the contortions that the mind can present. And even it can give you the appearance, the acharyas say, of tranquility, peace, calmness. And in that way you become off guard and then the mind jumps back. Aha! This is what Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur explains. So yes, sometimes some devotees, they say, I'm just tired of battling with the mind. I just, if I just give in and there'll be peace. That's what Diti is saying, saye sukha, I'll rest peacefully, saye sukham. I'll rest peacefully when I fulfill this desire. That's her mind telling her. But there's no peace for material desires. There's just the appearance of peace. And this is what we have to constantly be on guard for. There's just the false promise, but the delivery never comes. So it's every day you have to beat your mind. Siddhanta Bhaktisuddhanta Thakur says, beat it in the morning with shoes. Beat it in the evening before you go to sleep. Beat it with a broomstick. Now, it doesn't mean literally. (laughs) It means chant Hare Krishna. Who is stopping us from chanting more Hare Krishna? Who said you have to stop at 16 rounds? Sometimes you can just, you can have a, how do we say, competitive, Sporting attitude with the movements of the mind, okay, you, you are saying this, you are flashing this at me, I'm going to chant Hare Krishna, take that. <laughs> Sometimes it's like a boxing match, you know. You're bugging me, I'll bug you, I'm going to chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> That's victory, Vijayate Sri Krishna sankirtana. So the big illusion is what Diti is feeling, shaye sukham, I'll rest peacefully after getting what I want, I'll sleep so happily. To resist that propaganda, it takes daily practice. And so sometimes, as I was saying, devotees think, ah, oh, the struggle's too much. If I just give in, then there'll be peace. Mm. Material existence is a struggle. What does Krishna say in Bhagavad Gita? indriyani prakriti stani karjati. You're struggling in the prakriti stani. We're struggling in the oppressive material atmosphere with our five senses and the mind. Why does Krishna say it's a struggle? He doesn't say, there'll be peace once you give in. He says, no, you're in material nature, you must struggle. There's only the promise of peace. Basic Bhagavad Gita. And then Srimad Bhagavatam elaborates on Bhagavad Gita. All right, thank you very much, Hare Krishna.